I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans this morning. We're going to be in Romans chapter 15. You can put your thumb there and flip back a few pages to John chapter 17 as well. We're going to look at a couple things, not quite yet there, Angie, on the scripture. We're going to get there, but we're continuing our series on prayer this week. If you haven't been to a community life group, if you haven't got into a group, whether it's Sunday morning group or a Wednesday night group, I want to strongly encourage you to get into one of those groups. Uh, they meet Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, Wednesday evenings, 7 o'clock. There's something for all ages, and uh, we're glad to be able to do life together. And uh, I pray that this morning, for those of you, group, those groups that met this morning, on last week you've already had a review, and uh, so I, I hope that you can answer these questions and help the rest of us this morning as we pick up a little bit from last week. Last week we talked about the three basic elements of prayer. They are, what's the first one? We simply... Talk to God, that's right. Then we can ask God, and we should end it by praising God. Good job, good job. You guys are on top of it. Three basic elements, and we broke that into like 45 different points, because that's what a good preacher does, and uh, we made sure that you got a lot of content out of that. But we just really want you to understand that, that prayer is a vital part of our life. The words we speak... We talk about the words we speak being life-giving or, or causing death and, and division when we talk about other people, but the reality of it is, is that our, our words that we speak in prayer can do the same thing. And sometimes I think we fail to realize that. And I, and I hope and pray that as we go through this, this series together, that it will help to transform our prayer life, that we can, we can hear the word prayer and not cringe or be ashamed or be scared of what is coming next. But rather, we can see that God wants to help us so much in our prayer life. So I have a simple question for you this morning. If you have your outlines ready, you can follow along and uh, keep track of this. And, I, and this is just, this first question is not, and you're not going to find it in some history book. You're not going to find it probably even in Scripture with the exact answer that I'm going to give you, but this is just my opinion from my experiences in the church in dealing with prayer. What triggers heaven more than anything else? What triggers heaven more than anything else? The answer, I believe, is prayer. Prayer. When we pray, we trigger heaven for a response. Why do you say that, Pastor? I say that because, one, we know that Jesus is interceding on our behalf. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And when we pray and we have utterances, when we have those times when, when our words aren't even enough, Jesus has been there like we're going through it. And He can go to the Father on our behalf. It triggers heaven. It triggers a response from heaven. And so we read throughout Scripture many times about many different prayers and about many different people who pray. Today I want to look at two very important people in Scripture in the New Testament that prayed a similar prayer that I believe can help us today as we think about unity in the body of Christ. Unity in the body of Christ. Let me, uh, before I go any further, let me preface this by saying, and Pastor Greg and uh, Pastor Alicia can attest to this, uh, as we talk about in staff meeting many times, our, 
our plans for, for times out into the future. This has been planned for quite a while. So I'm not going to preach something today that is based on any circumstances that have taken place in recent weeks. I just want to give that caveat. Because I know when I preach a message like I'm going to preach today about the unity in the body of Christ, that I'm going to get comments as soon as I walk off this pulpit today. Pastor, why are you talking about me? I'm serious. I, I'm, I just want to preface this by saying this has been God-ordained months before today. And so I just want you to listen with open mind and an open ears and an open heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to say, not what your pastor is saying. Can we do that today? Amen. Let's look at two things from Scripture, two prayers from Scripture. We see that Paul prayed many times this way. He prayed, I pray so that. Pray, Paul prayed so many, so many different ways when he's writing his letters to his different churches. He's praying a certain prayer. He's praying for something specific so that something else will take place. Let me give you an example. Paul prayed... He prayed that we would have power and strength to understand God's love for us so that God would dwell in you. Paul prayed that. I pray for power and strength so that you understand God's love for you so that God will dwell, He will live in you. When we understand His love for us, we can then invite Him in and He will live within us, the Bible says. We also saw... Paul prayed this, and it triggered heaven. He said, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. He's praying this to his churches that he's writing these letters to. I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith so that you would have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. Let me unpack that just for a minute. This is not in your notes, leaders. This is free, so you might want to jot down a few extra notes, okay? Because I just thought this was so important this morning as I was reviewing this, that we would be active in sharing our faith. That scares us as Americans. I believe that scares us as Americans. We watched this video this morning about this young, this young man who got a shoebox and then began to share his faith. What did it do when he was active in sharing his faith? It reminded him, it refreshed his memory of all the good things that God had done for him that he could then share with others. One of these boxes, I'll, I'll say this until we stop doing it. <laughs> One of these boxes reaches eight people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That video showed that because he waited and he went to church with his mom, he got a gift that, as Pastor Greg shared, God orchestrated that. Shoe size, wow, crazy. That's a God thing. That because of all this and all of that that was going on, it wasn't even in that, but in the filming of this video. Did you catch that? In the filming of the video, as he's actively sharing his faith, his dad comes to accept Jesus Christ. Wow! Why? Because Paul's praying, if you are active in telling others what God has done for you, you don't have to tell them anything they're doing wrong. Isn't that good news? You don't have to tell them anything about where they're going, even though sometimes you might want to. All you have to do is be active in telling them what God has done for you. And it just changes us. 
It changes us. It challenged me this morning. And so this is a challenge for me. I, I sat there and I read that again in my notes and I thought, you know what? When is the last time I've actively shared my faith? Did I actively share my faith this week? Did I talk to somebody about Jesus this week? Did I show somebody what God is doing in my life this week? I want to challenge you to, to receive Paul's prayer for yourself this morning. That you would be active in sharing your faith. Why? So that you would have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ Jesus. Today we're going to look at another prayer of Paul's that he prayed. Paul prayed this prayer in the book of Romans <clears throat> as he's writing to the church in Rome. But it's a very similar prayer that Jesus prayed while Jesus was here on earth. Paul prays this in Romans. Hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Paul prays for unity in the body because Jesus prays for unity in the body as we're going to see in just a minute. Therefore, I hope and pray that our prayer after today is that we all would pray for unity in the body of Christ. Amen? Let's look at our text this morning. Romans chapter 15. We're going to begin with verse number 5. Romans chapter 15, verse number 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Hmm. Would you pray with me? God, this time is yours. This moment is yours. Speak to our hearts today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever heard anybody else criticize our church? Have you ever heard anybody else talk bad about Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene? Have you ever criticized or talked bad about another church in town? Have you, ever, have you ever had critical thoughts that, that came to action because you just had an opinion that you needed to share with somebody, but it wasn't life-giving, it was actually very critical and demeaning and discouraging, and actually, the Bible says, causes division within the body of Christ. Have you ever heard somebody criticize our church? Uh, Here's some examples of how some people criticize churches. Uh, maybe it's been said about ours, I don't know. Uh, that church is too contemporary. Too contemporary. They're too progressive. That, that church, they're just too loud. They're, they're too out there. I just can't get past the volume and the loudness. And th there's, no, there's no depth in their teaching there. They're just very shallow there. They're, they're, that church, they're just too old for me. Or that church is just too young for me. Or, this one's really good, that church is just too much like a cult 
Do you know how many times I've heard that about the Nazarene church? Just because they don't know what Nazarene is? What's Nazarene? Is that some type of cult? I'm like, yeah, it's the cult of Jesus Christ. That's who it's a cult of. Jesus the Nazarene, yeah. I heard somebody talk about John the Baptist. You'll like this, David. John was a Baptist. Why? Because it's in his name. God gave him that name. John the Baptist. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but... <laughs> Jesus the Nazarene, it's in Scripture. So are we a cult? Sure, we'll be a cult. I'll be a cult following Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> but I'm convinced today, folks, that one of the greatest tricks the enemy has, one of the greatest strengths he has, is causing the church to divide. Is causing the church, capital C, to have division within its ranks. The enemy wants nothing more than to distract us by having us tear each other down. Having us speak ill will towards somebody else that's a believer in Christ. When we start doing that, it becomes a tragic, tragic death of the church. The enemy wants division so he can win. Because if there's division, then there's no forward movement. If there's division, there's nobody that's actively sharing their faith. If there's division, there's no strength and guidance that we're praying for because we're too busy dividing ourselves and being, being divisive, being discouraging. However, if we work together as a united body of Christ, we can be unstoppable. Divided, though, will be weak and ineffective. You see, we see Paul's prayer this morning for the church in Rome and for all believers, but it's just as Jesus prayed as well. Let me read Paul's prayer to you again. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Hold on before you go to the next slide. The same attitude of mind towards each other. It doesn't say that you have about them. It says encouragement to give you the same attitude of mind towards each other, brothers and sisters, that Christ Jesus has about them as well. In other words, put on Jesus goggles for a minute and see everybody the same way He does, not your opinion of them. Not my opinion of them. May the God who gives endurance. Endurance is something that, that comes with time. It's something that's got to be prepared. It's something that's got to be worked. It doesn't just happen. That means that when we fall and fail, there's still hope. When we mess up and we, we say something that's unholy, that's backbiting, that's divisive, it's okay because we can get back up and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because He's giving us endurance to keep going. Endurance and encouragement to give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. Why does He want to do that? So that, so that, with one mind, and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, 
just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God so that you can have 200 different minds giving their 200 different voices to glorify 200 different gods. Is that what it says? No. It says so that we can have one mind and one voice why? Because we serve one God who's on one throne who's in charge of it all. It's not so that we can be glorified. It's not so that we can say, oh, we're a united church. We are, we are a band of brothers and sisters that come together and us, you know, 175 strong, we're going to march forward together for, and we're going we're to conquer Pittsfield. No, that's not what Scripture says. We want to glorify Him because we love not only each other as Christ loves us, we love everybody else too. I pray so that you can have one mind and one voice that it may glorify Him. Do you remember the condition you were in when you accepted Jesus? Do you remember the condition you were in when He welcomed you with open arms, flaws and all, He didn't say, go get cleaned up, go take a shower, go fix all your problems and then come back to Me. That's not how He works. You see, He accepted each and every one of us with all of our flaws and all of our insecurities and all of our messes and all of our bad choices. And He said, come to Me. He accepted us warts and all. He accepted us even when we get annoyed with each other. Oh, God, help us today. Paul's prayer was not just Paul's. It was Jesus' prayer. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus prayed. Jesus' prayer. Now remember, before we read this, Jesus prayed, and Jesus said in Scripture that I only speak the words the Father tells me to speak, right? So that's, that's Jesus saying those things. He's only speaking what the Father tells Him to say. So here's what He says. I pray also for those who will believe in Me through their message, that all of them may be one, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that You sent Me and have loved them even as You have loved me. Wow. If we get this in our prayer life, if we can pray like, like Paul prayed and like Jesus prayed for unity in the body, if we get this, if we get this, complete unity, complete, whole, it's over, it's ending, it's complete, it's done, it's finished. And then what happens? The world will know the world will know. Guess what the world is? They don't know right now. The Bible says they don't seek the Holy Spirit because they don't know the Holy Spirit. How are they going to know the Holy Spirit? Because the church is going to get united, folks, and we're going to come into complete unity, and the whole world will know that He is on the throne and that He is love and He's for them too. They don't know that they don't have Him because they don't know that they need to be searching for Him. Why? Because we're too busy backbiting and complaining about each other that we can't even get united. I pray that you would have one mind and one voice. Why? So that 
You can have complete unity. Wow. Why do we pray for unity? Let's talk about it today. The first reason we need to pray for unity is because we desperately need each other. Paul tells us that we are all part of one body. We can't all be ears or hands or feet. Romans 12.5 says, Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. Here's the key to this, folks. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We have strength in our diversity. Let me explain that for a minute. If we all came in here looking the same, dressing the same, acting the same, that's uniformity. Many of you are fans of uniformity. You even wear their colors. Yeah. Why, do a base, why does a baseball team and a football team wear the same, same colors? So they know they're all on the same team. But that's uniformity. It doesn't mean you have 25 pitchers on the Cardinals team. If you had 25 pitchers, they wouldn't be running for the playoffs now. If the Chiefs had 53 centers, I'd be happy. <laughs> but they don't. You see, they all have their own part to play. You see, unity is not uniformity. Just because we may look the same and just because we come under the, the branch of, of the Nazarene church doesn't mean that we're united. I can't tell you how many people I've run into in the last two years of being your pastor that call themselves Nazarene that don't even know what it means. And it's not because we're united. It's because we've had a tendency to go towards uniformity. And now we have to say, you know what? I want to pray, God, that you would unite us. You'd bring us together under one mind and one voice so that we can move forward together in unity and the world will know. <laughs> unity is not uniformity. We have strength in our diversity. You have a job to play. You have a job to do right here. You have a role to play. You might just be sitting there saying, nope, I've already put in my time. I'm done. No, 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 no. Until I've done your funeral, you still have a job to play. Well, pastor, I can't do what I used to do. You're not supposed to. Well, I used to be a hand because I could do this and I could serve in the nursery and I could do this and, and help with the kids and the teens. Well, I can't do that anymore. I don't have the strength. Well, guess what? You can still be a knee and get on your knees and pray. You can still be an ear and hear the division and the, dis the dissension that's happening and put a stop to it. You could still be a mouth and use your voice to lead others. You see, we all have a job to play. We all have something that we need to do. And guess what? The entire body will suffer if you don't do your part. The entire body will suffer if you don't do your part. Because if you don't do your part, 
then you sit there and you'll say things like, you know what, that's what we pay you to do. You laugh, but I've heard it. And I want to say, no, my job is to equip the saints for the works of the service. It's my job to prepare you to do your job. And if I'm not doing my job, you can't do your job. Then we're all kinds of messed up. Oh, Lord, help us. We tend to get all up in a bunch about different things in our churches, and that's why we have all these different denominations and different things that have caused us to separate. And I get it. I understand it. I'm probably even part of it, and for that I need to apologize and repent. And we say, we say things, you know, like we're not like other churches. You know, some, some preachers, they won't tell you this, and... and uh, you know, we preach the Word of God and, and it's not watered down and that's why we are where we're at. Well, well, I get that. I, I do. I completely do. But then why do we get so divided on things that are just silly? I wasn't here when it happened, but this last building project that, that, that you all took place in was for this great section of our campus. It was a fresh 28 years ago. Some of you weren't even alive. But I would almost guarantee, and I don't know this for a fact, that this wonderful burgundy maroon color of the pews and the carpet was fought over. No, it wasn't. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm so thank you, Cleve. I'm so glad for that. Because there's some churches where that would be fought over. And people would leave because they didn't get their blue carpet. So I'm thankful to hear that. Thank you, Cleve. We've got to be united and work together. You know, compromise isn't just giving in. Compromise is coming together. And we got to understand that unity is needed. We desperately need each other. Now, we have different denominations and different beliefs, and, and, and we're, I'm not saying we need to uh, just approve everybody that's different than us and say, well, they call themselves a Christian church, so that's, that's fine, and we need to accept them. That's not at all what I'm saying, because we definitely need to stand up against blatant lies against what the Scripture tells us. We need to stand up for blatant lies that are, not about, that are lies about God and Jesus and what He's done for us. We need to take a stand on what is true and what is right. We need to take a stand against those that may call themselves Christians that don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We have to. But in doing that, in taking a stand for what's right, we will bring unity amongst the entire body. And I pray, as Paul prayed, that we could be of one mind and one voice. Why? Because we desperately need each other. I need you, and you need me. And guess what? We need Chris and Lisa, and we need, we need Rich and, and, and um, all of them at the assembly, and Pastor Tenike at the Christian church, and, and we need all of them. We need them. 
We need them. Why? So that when you go out into the world that doesn't know they need God, then they see us together. They're like, man, they're, they're weird. I love going to the schools and talking to some of the teachers that we've become get to know. And we know they're Christians and they go to other churches and I'm so, so thankful for that. But they see us and, and we'll be talking in the hallway and I'm not kidding you, there are looks that we'll get that are like, you two don't belong together. It's almost like we're having an affair. You know? It's like, you're there and they just can't do it. Well, why is that? It's because we're not united. That should be a glorious thing. That should be a celebrated thing. When people see myself and Chris out in public, they should be happy about it. Or they say they see me and Pastor Tenike at the football game. They should be happy about that. But yet we're like, oh, oh, what are they talking about? No, we need each other so bad. Why do we pray for unity? Because we need each other too. We, why do we pray for unity? Because the world will see God's love. Romans 15.7 says this again, Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. The word in the Greek here for accept is a big, long, drawn-out word that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce to you today. But really, the whole the interpretation of this word is something that, that my wife has, has so... Um, eloquently put in our own lives. When it talk about accepting others, accepting others is not just a one-time action. Accepting people, the, word, the Greek word that this is talking about is a lifelong journey with them. You know, we, we've, been, we've been so described in many different times as a loving church, an accepting church, because when people come into the church as a new person, they are, they are warmly welcomed and they are greeted and they are loved on. And I want to thank you for that. That's awesome. But that doesn't mean we've accepted them in this sense. Because what this word means is that we need to then journey with them in life. And so my wife, she's talked about this in our own life, and we have a few uh, very close and dear friends in our life that have come into our life at various moments in our life when we needed them or they needed us, and, and it's just clicked. And uh, those, those moments of need have, have gone away, and yet we're still very close, and we still walk through life together. And when our friends hurt, we hurt with them. And when our friends go through great successes we rejoice with them and and when our friends get the horrible news of cancer at 34 years old you cry with them you weep with them That's what accepting is. That's what people need to see when they see us united together. They need to see us caring about the world and accepting the world, the people in the world, like Jesus does. They need to see God's love and how we accept one another. 
Amen? We need to walk with people. Accept others as Christ has accepted us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were hopeless, but Jesus gave us hope. We were sinners, but Christ gave us grace and forgiveness. We were lost, and Jesus Christ gave us a way home. Amen? So many times the church is known for what we're against. <laughs> as soon as I said that, you could think about other, other churches, right? Well, they're against this, they're against that. So many times the church is known for what we're against. The church of the Nazarene is becoming a church that is known for being against homosexual behavior and lifestyle. The church of the Nazarene is becoming known as a church that is a hater. We are a hate group. That's what, that's what they say. Why? Because we want to accept them and love them like Jesus does. We want to call sin a sin, but we're not going to brush them aside. But people don't take time to see that. They just see our stance against what we're against, and they don't ever take a time to see what we're for. You see, we need to be known for our love for God, shown by our love for others. <laughs> John 13, 34 and 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you notice it doesn't say, by your stance against alcohol, abortion, homosexuality, adultery, name the sin. It says, by this, by how we love one another, people should know us. They shouldn't drive by our church on Washington and think that's the church that's against all those things. Yeah, we are because it's sin. But they should drive by our church and say, you know what they are for? That even in their sin, they'll still accept me. They'll still love me. They'll still help me. They'll still point me to Jesus. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. I think it's time that we stop worrying about what we're against and start worrying about how we're seen. Amen? This, Jesus did not say by right doctrine or right denomination or right style of worship. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad? He gave us a new command Put aside the old, giving you a new command, and by this they will know that you're my disciple. I pray that you would have unity. Why? Because we need each other. Why? Because the world needs to see God's love. And number three, why do we pray for unity? Because we can do infinitely more together. We can do infinitely more together. There's a church I know of that. Um, they started in a garage. It was a garage. There was about 10 people at their first service. Pastor got up in, the, in that garage. It was a two-car garage, if you needed to know that. Um, <laughs> but they set up chairs, and they had their church service in there. And the pastor got up when it was time to take the offering. And this is what he said on their first Sunday. 
their first meeting. He says, we're going to take an offering to help cover some of our expenses and to, to give because the Bible teaches us to be cheerful givers and to tithe and give back to God what is God's. But he goes, we also want to be a church that loves others and helps others. So if you have need and you can't give in the offering today, but you have need of something, would you take from the offering today what you need? Their first Sunday as a church, he did that. Well, fast forward a few years, they, they start growing and, and helping other people. And this same pastor is still the same pastor of this church, and it's become a mega church in this country. It's actually the largest church in the United States today. And they, they have a mission that they want to do everything that they do to help other churches deliver the best possible method of getting Jesus to as many people as possible. And they know that they have a lot of resources and, and sources that other churches don't have and don't have access to. But this pastor has said, you know what? We're going to make all of our resources and all of our sources available to every other church that wants them for nothing. This is a mega church. This is a pastor that if I told you his name, you would recognize his name. There are pastors that get on, on their own commercials and they'll, they'll sell you their sermon series, a three-week sermon series. This do you know how valuable this sermon series would be, Pastor Greg, if I sold this? That just means that somebody would be willing to buy it, which I doubt that anyway. But <laughs> there's people that sell a three-week sermon series for $100. And this pastor said, no way. I'm not doing it. Well, well Pastor, you could, you could make a lot more money for the church to do more mission work and all this. No. More mission work I can do is equipping other churches and other pastors to do a better job doing what they're doing. So they give all of their sources away for free. Wow. He realized <laughs> they could do infinitely more if they worked together than to compete against one another. They're not just impacting their local community, they're helping over 170,000 churches worldwide by sharing what they have. They have 145,000 network churches is what they're called that use their resources on a regular basis that stay in time with them. That's crazy. That's unity, folks. That's crazy love. <laughs> Here's something else that's crazy love. Acts chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, and all that were there, there were no needy persons among them. That's crazy love. <laughs> That's infinitely more than we, we, we can do on our own by doing it together. We need each other desperately. The world needs to see that we're Christ's disciples, not by what we're against, but what we're for by loving others. And Paul prayed for unity, and Jesus prayed for unity. Why? Because they knew that we could do infinitely more together. That's why it's so important, for, as your church board has articulated to me as your pastor, some, some people might think that the, the way the, the, the government and structure of the church works is that as the pastor comes in, he kind of just has rule and reign of whatever he wants to do. That's just not true. And I'm thankful for our church board that has a voice. And, and because you are a part of this church, you have a voice 
just go to your church board members and, and, and they will tell you if you can't feel comfortable coming to me or Pastor Gray, go to one of them. And that's why you elect them. That's why they're there. But our church board sees this. They get this. And that's why we make decisions sometimes to say, you know what? We don't need to be in our walls. We need to go bless somebody else. We need to go fellowship with another church. We need to go worship with another church. That's why, when the, here's, here's a really good example, and, and I'm not stepping out of place to share this. Every year this community does a community Thanksgiving service. Every single year. And um, some, some years it was strongly attended, and other years it, it hasn't. It's kind of roller coastered back and forth. But I want to just say thank you to Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene because your faithful uh, attendance and involvement in this church has made a lasting impact in our community. And let me just share how that's happened because I know because we are one of the few churches that still has a, a, a valid Sunday night time of gathering, that when we move our Sunday nights to another location, that I can count on you coming. <laughs> And it was so cool in this last Thanksgiving service, they said, you know what, let's get it off of a weeknight. Let's put it on a church night so that we can all come together and worship together. And we as pastors in the community, we thought, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So we did. And you guys, were, you guys saw, if you were there last Thanksgiving, the first time we did that was Church of Christ here in town. Some of you used to go to the Church of Christ here in town. Some of you know what the Church of Christ is against, and some of you know what they're for, and some of you are here for some of those reasons. I don't know. Some of you might have even said some bad things about the Church of Christ in your, in your history. But we knew <laughs> that we could come together under not the label of Church of Christ and not the label of Church of the Nazarene, but under the label of Disciples of Jesus Christ. And that night, we packed that place out as a community. Why? Because we were united and we came together. And we came around and Pastor Calvin came to our next prayer meeting and he was overjoyed because he was so thankful because the community had come together and his church had never seen that much life in the whole time he's been there. And I said, praise be to God. And I say thank you to you because a hundred of them were you. And this year, I don't know if it's the same day or not, Pastor Greg, but the next week, we're starting to talk about some things and another pastor comes into the room and he says, hey, uh, I just want to call dibs on the next Thanksgiving service. So I'm, I'm preparing you. I'm planting the seed right now. Sunday night of Thanksgiving week, we're all going to gather at another church that has a reputation in this community. Some good, some bad, some indifferent. We all do. But we're going to unite together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we can do infinitely more together. And we're going to go down to Calvary Baptist. And we're going to worship together. You know how different we are in doctrine? Do you know how different we are in style of worship? Do you know how different we are in so many other ways? Some people say, Baptists and Nazarenes, those are kind of one and the same. Nope, not really. <laughs> but we will be. We will be when we come under the label of Jesus Christ. We can do infinitely more together. 
Paul prayed for unity. Jesus prayed for unity. And I believe we need to pray for unity. (laughs) You see, people are sick and tired of hearing about the love of Jesus. They want to see it. Can you imagine? Just dream with me for a moment. If all Christians, each member of the body of Christ, began to pray for unity, and then we began to live it out, just dream with me for a moment what we could accomplish. If we would all, everybody who calls themselves Christians, pray for unity and begin to live it out and show God's love to others. On Mondays, we could all be on the same page. We could, we could eliminate starvation in the world if all the Christians in the world would begin to get united. On Tuesday, every person could have clean drinking water in the world. If all Christians would unite under one mind, in one voice. On Wednesday, if we would all begin to pray and live this out, poverty around the world in our county could be gone. Why? Because we could have crazy love like Acts chapter 4. Can you imagine with me? Thursdays, every medical, everyone with a medical need would have attention and care. Friday, all orphans would be under care in a loving home. Saturday, everyone who has lived or is living, will know about Jesus Christ and His love for them. And then guess what? On Sundays, guess what happens? It's God's plan. It's nothing new. We all get to rejoice and celebrate and worship together under one mind and one voice so that they will see our love. So that they will see that Jesus loves them and cares for them. They're tired of hearing about it. They're tired of hearing about the next program. They want to see it. They want to see it. As we close, I want to just encourage you with a couple different thoughts here. First one is this. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? more than you backbite them or complain? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ more than you backbite them or complain? Secondly, do you pray for unity among the body of Christ? I want to encourage you, and I'm going to ask all of our group leaders to do this as well. I want to encourage you to take a challenge this week, just one week, Seven-day prayer challenge. And at some point in your day, you only need five minutes to do this. Take a notebook and take five minutes in your day and just pray for unity in the body of Christ. For every single day this week, pray for unity in the body of Christ. Pray that we can stop cutting each other down. Pray that we can begin to encourage one another so that the enemies attacked and not each other. Pray for unity so that God would be glorified in our community, in our state, in our country, and in our world. Because here's the thing, we all say we want it. We all say that that's, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. It's an evil place and nothing can happen. But guess what? Nothing will happen unless we pray. Unless we pray. 
Would you stand with me? Take the seven-day prayer challenge this week. Pray for five minutes. Pray for unity in the body of Christ. Why? So that the world will know that God loves them. So do we. And then I want to invite you. I want to encourage you. Commit to a life group. Even if it's just for this series, just try it out. Just test drive it. We won't make you. We won't force you to buy. We won't put you into a model you don't like. Do I sound like a good car salesman? I don't know. (laughs) Commit to a life group. Get engaged in the body of Christ. Become united with one another. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank You for who You are, for what You've done, for what You are doing, for what You will continue to do. I pray, God, that You would help us to continue to inventory our words. If we find ourselves backbiting or complaining or grumbling about the body of Christ, Would you prompt us to stop and pray for unity? And God, if you find us out in the the marketplaces or the schools or our neighborhoods, would you, and you find us with people that are of a different church and a different group, would you help us to not just ask about their attendance or what they're doing, but would you prompt us to pray for unity? And God, if we find ourselves in a conversation with somebody who doesn't know You, would You give us courage to actively share our faith so that we're reminded of all the good things You've done for us and that You can do for them. Help us to pray like Paul. More importantly, help us to pray like Jesus. That we could be of one mind. And one voice, so that the world will know that we're your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight at 6.30.